Today we're going to continue our sermon series entitled No Outsiders, and I want to talk about the basic call that Jesus had to his disciples, uh, particularly the three who were fishing the day he called them. And I want to talk about how that call to follow Jesus, to be fishers of people, um, was not just a once and for all call for just those few disciples, but one that continues today for you and for me. You know, in some cases, the church has done too little related to answering the call to be fishers of people. And in some cases, the church has done way too much related to the call to be fishers of people. I'll explain myself in a minute. Today we'll be examining how Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of people. Now I want to give a little background to Luke 5, beginning with the first verse where we'll be reading this morning. You know, God commissioned Jesus through the wilderness experience, and Jesus commissioned his closest disciples, uh, his followers, the twelve, to follow him. And he came to them in unique ways, in circumstances, right in the midst of their everyday life. Today we're going to be looking at the call to Peter, James, and John, uh, the fishermen, that Jesus had been uh, teaching and healing and, and, um, and, and casting out demons in this area of Capernaum and, and, and Bethsaida. And, and no doubt these disciples had been part of the crowds where they had seen these wonderful works and miracles that Jesus was performing right there. It's not like Jesus just wandered upon these fishermen and all of a sudden they had this connection and, and, and followed him um, after the miracle that he performed with them. But it, it was because they had seen him in action. They had heard his teaching. They'd observed his relationship with God, his communion and fellowship with God. Uh, they'd seen how people were being healed and demons were being cast out as he had called them forth. And everybody in that area was amazed. And the fishermen were on the beach after an all-night fishing excursion that had led to no fish at all. They were cleaning their nets. They were finished. They were done for the night. It was morning. They were ready to go to bed. And here comes Jesus with another task for them. Just after they'd finished the task of washing the nets. Let's turn in our Bibles to the fifth chapter of Luke. And let's stand out of love and respect for God's word as we read this text. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, that's the same as the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down, which was the way teachers taught in that day, not standing but sitting. The crowds stood. And he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
put out into the deep water and let down your nice clean nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that the nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it and fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. They left everything. They left their nets, their boats, their profession. They left their family, their friends, their hometown. They left everything and followed Jesus. You know, we need to note that fishing was a very popular and common trade on the Sea of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. Fishing was a common occupation for people residing in the small villages of Capernaum and Bethsaida, which was located right there on the lake shore. And living on the shores of the lake with the abundant supply of fish, people understood fishing and perhaps more than anything else, they understood the metaphor that Jesus was offering to them. If they had been farmers, Jesus might have said, come and I'm going to make you harvesters of people. But they were fishermen. And so he said to them, come, you're going to be catching people. The message of this particular biblical text is that the disciples were called to be fishers of people. And Jesus used that metaphor so that they would fully understand that what they were leaving behind was for the purpose, a very holy purpose, of bringing people to Jesus. Jesus told his first disciples that they would fish for people and, and he showed them how to catch people. And he showed them that the most important work that they could be about would be bringing people to him. You know, that's the most basic call that Jesus had to the early church, and I dare say we need to understand it, the most basic call that Jesus has to us, whether we're fisher men or women or not, it's to catch people. You know, I've been thinking a lot the last few days about fishing, and fear not, I'm not going to give you some long fishing story that I have no uh, photographic proof of the catch. But I have been thinking about my early experiences fishing. Now, I've told you about Mr. Easter Naren, um, who was the husband of 
Mrs. Naren, who was my sister's and my babysitter when we were growing up. Now, Miss Naren, she was actually the one who kept us. Mr. Easter was a night watchman, and when he got finished with his night watchman duties, then he would take a nap, and as soon as he woke up about noon, he would come and relieve Miss Naren, who by that time really did need it. She particularly needed help with me. And so Mr. Easter would always take me aside and we'd play ball in the yard or we'd play hide-and-go-seek or other kinds of games. But the greatest thing Mr. Easter um, would do with me was to take me fishing. And I knew when he would drive up in his old car and he'd have his, his arm out the rolled-down window with the cane poles on the side, it was going to be a great day. And we went to the bar ditches on the Kickapoo Creek just outside of the city limits of my hometown. And there on the bar ditches we would fish and we would use worms that we had dug under the oak leaves in the backyard under the trees. And, and so we had our bait. We had the, the cork bobbers that would give you the, the, the clue that you were getting a bite. We were all so ready to fish. And, and I remember about Mr. Easter, the things that he taught me about fishing. He, he'd say, now wait until the fish takes the bobber all the way under before you raise the pole and you set the hook. You don't want the fish to get off because they'll tell all the other fish that there's somebody up there trying to catch you. And the fishing will be over. So I listened and I did as Mr. Easter said and we would catch fish. We'd catch all kinds of fish. We'd catch perch, and we'd catch catfish, and we'd catch goggle-eye. Goggle-eye were Mr. Easter's favorite. They were a little thicker, and he just loved them. But we also would catch what he would call trash fish, which would be mud cat or an occasional grinnel. But Mr. Easter threw nothing back. If we caught you, we ate you. I mean, there's none of this uh, Jimmy Houston, you know, kiss the fish and let him go. I mean, everything, even the so-called trash fish, none of it was trash to Mr. Easter. And the next day, we would have fish for lunch. You know, I remember how much fun that was as a kid. I was about, what, five years old or so, how much fun it was to fish with Mr. Easter. I, I remember how much uh, excitement you got when the cork started bobbing and the little ripple started and then all the way under and oh it was the greatest I remember how delicious the fish were that we we cooked but I'll tell you this I don't know anybody who likes to clean fish do you I mean do you know anybody who just says you know there's nothing I like better than than, than cleaning and gutting fish it's, the, it's my favorite thing. And the smell, oh, it smells like floral arrangements to me. Do you know anybody like that? Nobody. I guess cleaning fish may be the only downside to fishing. You know, isn't it good that Jesus told us to fish for or to catch people and not to have to worry about cleaning them? You know, it's really good that Jesus didn't tell us about people. You catch them, you clean them, you cook them, and I'll devour them. He just said, catch them. And then before he ascended into heaven, he gave us that great commission in Matthew, the 28th 
chapter, the 19th verse, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples. That's another way to say catch people. You make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. So, just like the hymn that we sang said about the Great Commission, we catch people, we baptize and we teach them. That's our role as the church. But we realize that it is God who is in charge of cleaning all of us. It's our communion with God. It's our fellowship with God and the Holy Spirit that brings us to that place where we love God more completely, where we love others as Jesus loved. It is God working in and through us. You know, I through my life have heard sometimes a boasting preacher say, I've won so many souls for Christ. And I want to say, no, you hadn't. You hadn't won any. We don't win people to Christ. We don't save people. It's the Holy Spirit that wins people. It's the Holy Spirit who saves people. It's the Holy Spirit, as we Methodists say, the prevenient grace that even sets the table for people to come to faith. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us to professions of faith when we can say, and I know you've loved me all my life, God, and I choose to love you at this time. It's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us, that, that keeps us growing in that love of God and love of neighbor. It's all God cleaning us and making us whole. A few years ago, we adopted a mission statement at our church of loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. We also decided that instead of of, of focusing on how many members were joining this church, we would focus on how many people we could, we could, could get to the waters of baptism, how many people would want to remember their baptisms because they had a new relationship with God, a new communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And isn't it good news that we get to fish and that we get to leave the the rest of the stuff of bringing people into that closer relationship to God himself? And you know, there's more good news. God gives us a net of grace to catch people. Jesus would not have recognized the kind of fishing Mr. Easter and I did. We used a cane pole and worms and a cork bobber for fishing. Now, pretty much in the Kickapoo bar ditches, anything would bite a worm, but we know that anytime you're fishing with a pole or you're fishing with a rod and reel, that you can be going for specific type of fish, right? I mean, there's some types of fish that just won't hit one of those expensive lures. And there's some fish that would turn their nose up at, um, at a cricket, for example. But the fish in the Kickapoo bar ditches were not, were not finicky. They'd eat just about anything. But when Jesus came upon the fishermen there by the, the, the lake, they, they were fishing with a net. And they were casting that net. 
And that net goes out, that woven net goes out, and it's got sinkers around uh, the, the outskirts of the net, and it falls down over whatever, and you pull it up, and those sinkers come together, those, those weights, and, and whatever you bring up, that's what you catch, and you catch all kinds of fish in a net. And, and God's net is like that. God's net is woven with, with acceptance and forgiveness, and it's weighted with God's love. And we're called to catch people with that same forgiveness, acceptance, and love that God has given us to fish with. We cast the net of God's grace, in essence, as the church. We proclaim God's grace from the pulpits and in our small groups as we open God's word. We're, we're looking for God's grace and it's all over the place. As we leave this place, we are called as Christians to be about that work of casting God's net of, of, of acceptance and forgiveness and love and, and, and drawing people in, inviting them to this place where we fish together. Inviting them into this community, this fellowship that we have chosen. Knowing that the same blessings that we get can be shared by others. You know, we're going to talk a lot in the next, this, this year about our, our 75 year history. And we're going to be talking a lot about how we've been catching people together. We say a lot about the early beginnings of this church. How this church was so odd and unique in that it, it cast the net and it, it brought up alcoholics and addicts and didn't pitch them back. But welcomed them into the life of the church. We, we catch people today of, of different cultures and colors and races and and, and we, we all come together here. It's the way we fish. We catch people who are challenged physically, and some of them deaf, like the 175 that gathered just last night. And, and, and you, you leave that place, and you just have to share about the blessings that you've received in this place. We catch people who are sexually oriented differently. And, and, and some may be very uncomfortable in the waters that, 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 that they swim in. But, but we're a church that is called to catch all people. We catch people who've committed crimes and they've served time. And they've been disallowed to swim freely in the waters that we swim in for a time. But when, when they get out, they come here. To the place that's cast the net of Acceptance, forgiveness, and love. We catch people who are young and who are old. We, we catch all kinds of people here. And we do so because it was Jesus' instruction. And there's no job of cleaning people that's too big for God. You know, our, our cleaning, when we take on the role that is, that, that is only God's, our cleaning can look a lot like judgment. When, when we think that we not only are called to catch them, but to clean them, and, and, and sometimes the church can be, um, can be um, 
accused of gutting people. Really. We have overstepped our call. You know, we, we hear stories from people who have dared to come back in the church and they said they'd never set foot in a church again because the hurt is so severe. But they gave it one last try because somebody said this place is different. The love here is different. Come and test it. And you know, it does my heart so good to hear those stories about people who have given up on the church and who've come to this church and who have found a place but it also makes my heart so sad that there would be any Christian or any church that would misread its call and overstep and overfunction and get into the work that was entrusted to God you know I always get a, a bit nervous when I see the church and Christians Wanting to clean people before they catch them. Now think about that with our fishing analogy. That's not what God said through Jesus. He said, catch them. And you know, I want to share a few biblical facts with you and just for us to, to think a little bit about when we think about the simple mandate Jesus gave us to catch people Jesus' great-great-great-great-grandmother, Rahab, was a prostitute. Mary, his mother, was, pregnant, was a pregnant teenager without a husband. The Good Samaritan and all Samaritans were considered to have wrong faith understandings about where and how to worship God. And they had taken husbands and wives when they were in exile and therefore they weren't considered real Jews. And the Samaritan woman at the well, she'd been married five times and was living in adultery. And Zacchaeus was a powerful, corrupt tax collector who was in essence a thief. And Paul was a judgmental Pharisee who persecuted Christians and all of them Jesus caught showing us how to catch with his net of acceptance forgiveness and love and, and then he said to many of them and go and sin no more and he wasn't just talking about whatever sin of omission or commission they were committing. He was talking about the big sin. He was talking about how when we are out of fellowship and relationship with God, how it leads us to do things that are ungodly and not in keeping with what God wants us to be about. Jesus was talking about go and never stray from your fellowship with God. You stay in fellowship with God and God will, 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 will do wonderful things for you and your life and your living. Go and sin no more. Never be separated from God. You know, we see God's net of grace best and most pronounced in our sacraments. 
When we gather around the Lord's table and we re, we're reminded that it's not our table, it's not a Methodist table, it's not a, a lover's lane table, it's the Lord's table and at this table all are welcome and we, and we, we taste the body and blood of Christ in essence and we're reminded that it was the Lord's sacrifice and his living presence that draws us, invites us to that table. When we gather around a communion font or, a, or, or the fountain, when we gather at the point of baptism, we remember that whether we're baptizing a little baby or whether we're baptizing an adult, it's the same symbol that God loved you before you could ever love God. God desires to clean you in your fellowship with God and, and as adults we can say at the same time and I love the God who loved me first but it's the same symbol whether you're a baby or an adult and what good news we have through our, 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 our sacraments of God's acceptance, forgiveness and love Tammy and I have been um, having different groups into the house the last few months and, and maybe you'll come to one of those groups sometime but last Sunday we had the Zimbabwean Fellowship come over for lunch after church now the good thing about having the Zimbabwean Fellowship come to your house after they get finished with church you have enough time to cook a chicken between the traditional worship services end and when the Zimbabweans get out of church but about 1.30 or 1.45, this wonderful group of people started gathering at our house and we had such a fantastic time together, great meal, great conversation. We, we, had, we sang together. And, and then I just said, you know, what's on your heart? And they started sharing about their concerns about the conflict in our denomination. They started sharing from their hearts. And then one in that fellowship said, we must always remember, though, though we know things here in the United States are so much different than they were in our homeland, that our children who were born here, they, they, they experienced life different than we did when we were in our homeland. And we must never forget that Lover's Lane loved us into this fellowship by adopting us when we were strangers in this land. And in the conversation continued that we love loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ and we must never forget that we were part of the all. And now we're part of of extending that loving all to others. What a conversation. And you know who the best fisher men and women are in this congregation? Oh, you're good. And I'm talking about some of you. But the best fisher men and women are those who have experienced that acceptance, forgiveness, and love. And they knew they didn't deserve it. They perhaps never expected to receive it. 
And it came as such a sweet reminder of what this Christian fellowship is all about. That they can't help but go and tell others. You know the biggest difference between fishing on the bar ditches with Mr. Easter and the fishing Jesus calls us to do? Mr. Easter said, don't let them get off the line. If you don't catch them, they'll tell the rest and none of them will bite. When we catch them and they know how blessed they are by that acceptance, forgiveness, and love, they can't help but go out and tell everybody. And it doesn't scare them away. It brings them to the net.